Welcome to Three Beers In, a craft podcast with beer news and reviews. Here's your host, Dominic Ribello. You know, lately I've been saying some real clever stuff after she introduces me. Uh, but this week I've got nothing. Sorry, folks. I'm all tapped out. Here we go. From deep underground in Staten Island's only beer bunker slash virtual saloon, I welcome you to yet another episode of Three Beers In Z craft beer show bringing you the latest craft beer news and unique craft beer reviews i'm your host dom and this is episode number 164 and this week we are drinking from one of my personal favorites valero snort brewery out of new jersey audible that's right ladies and gentlemen it's an audible and it is a kolsch style ale so i'm a little excited about that i really like i really like valero snort and I really like Kulsh's. You put those two together, we might have a match made in heaven. Who knows? Who knows? Episode 164, ladies and gentlemen. So happy that you guys are here. So happy that you're joining me. I'm having pre-show beer. I haven't been doing that too much lately um, because it's been hard for me to go out and get beer. But here we are. Um, let me actually finish this one off and then I'll get to you. It's from Flagship. I went food shopping the other day. And, um, uh, you know, support my local brewery, doing what I got to do. Let me try to pour that. Oh, yeah. It is the Kilvan Kolsch. So when I, I was, I had some of these upstairs, uh, before the show and, um, <clears throat> I have a tall enough glass I could put two in there. So I'm going to do that in a second. And then I went into the, uh, the beer fridge here to see what I was going to do for the show, and it turns out I had a Kolsch-style ale in there. Now, I'm not going to compare the two, because there's probably going to be no comparison, because Flagship did such a fantastic job uh, excuse me, with their Kolsch. And this isn't a plug or anything like that, but I will um, tell you that this is really a fantastic beer. Uh, the Kilban Kolsch is coming in at 4.9% ABV, 16 IBUs. When you see that it's 4.9%, uh, you know you're going to be in good shape. Right on the box there, it says that it used uh, unique, I mean, not unique, excuse me, it used German uh, hops and, and the like, uh, originating in Cologne, uh, Germany. Uh, Kolsch beer is renowned for its light body and clean, crisp taste, brewed with a nod to the old world German processes, uh, or processes, if you will. Flagship Van Kolsch uh, continues the tradition of, um, of delicate and balanced beer. Great label, too. They revamped all their stuff. It's a lighthouse. I think that's a lighthouse from Staten Island. So that's really cute and really great. And one thing that I really love about Flagship, and um, this is interesting too, because I remember when I first, when I was hitting the bar scene when I was a younger guy, right? That's kind of like when Flagship came out. And I was, uh, I was reluctant. I wasn't really into craft beer that much back then. And I was also very reluctant to do it because I thought it was just a typical stupid Staten Island thing. You know, listen, people can be wrong and people change. So as time has gone on, and I've been to the brewery, I've met the people there. They're fantastic. I've done, we've done an interview with one of the uh, brewers there in their uh, brewery, like literally on the floor of the brewery, right next to the, the mash tunes and everything like that, or tons, whatever you call them. And um, the, the one thing that I want to say is I remember having their uh, Fresh Kills IPA or whatever their IPA was. It used to just be called the flagship IPA when it first came out way long ago. And it was just, I, I, it wasn't memorable. So then when I was at uh, the supermarket and I saw the, the Kolsch and the IPA, the Fresh Kills IPA, I said, I got to give this a shot. I got to see 
what's going on here because it said that it was juicy on there and stuff. And I, you know, I've been searching for a juice bomb for a while now, and I had the opportunity to grab a juice bomb in there. Also, in that fridge, I got two sour beers. I had no idea I picked up two sour beers, and they're weird. And there's a Dunkelweizen in there. There's a lot going on in that fridge, so we're gonna be good for a little while. But uh, I got that Fresh Kills IPA, and it was fantastic. It was so well balanced. It was really good. It was juicy-ish, but it wasn't over the top. But it was great. And now with the Kolsch, I mean, I cannot sing enough praises about it because, like I said, it's my favorite style of beer. And they've done a fantastic job with it. Um, is it a Gaffel Kolsch? No. Is it a Reisdorf Kolsch? No, of course not. I mean, those are the German Kolsch's. And you can't really replicate them. This is pretty damn close. I mean, it is clean. It is clear. It is refreshing. And it is just, I mean, you could you could pound these beers. Okay, I got it in a, like, a Pilsner glass, a huge Pilsner glass here. Excuse me, sorry. And it's just fantastic. Oh, let me take a sip here. It's the type of beer you could really just go to town on. Okay. And it is just so crisp and delicious. And now, what I wanted to touch upon, because I, I want to be fair, and I think this is very important for the Staten Island listeners, so if you're out there listening, this is um, this is going to really hit home with you guys. Staten Island. Now, look, Jersey has a ton of breweries, right, all over the state. And it's pretty easy for you, for people from New Jersey, to travel New Jersey. Once you learn the highway system, which for a lot of New Yorkers is fucking crazy. Um, you could really get great beer all over and it's very easily accessible. Now here's where we're lucky here on Staten Island. Flagship and Killsboro are two tremendously different breweries. Okay. Like they have a very different, let me think of the word I'm trying to use here. That's, that's going to keep things respectful and keep things in perspective. I don't want to be disrespectful to these guys because I think they're fantastic and I, and I love what they do, but Flagship and Killsborough have a very different um, resume, if you if you will. So, for example, like I know that Kill um, Flagship has an IPA, right? They have their um, Fresh Kills IPA. I know they have the Kill Van Kulsch. I know they have their Rogan Fest when uh, the time comes. Like I, you know, and I know that they have their um, the Wit. I, I I don't know if they still make the Wit. But I know they have a um, the Pizza Rat Pilsner, which I didn't like, okay? Just full disclosure there. But there's been Killsboro beers that I didn't like, too. But what happens is you know what flagship has in terms of their staples. So they have a summer ale. They have a winter ale. They've done the stouts. And they're not too crazy when it comes to their stouts, okay? But they make a fantastically like a fantastic quality beer, with what they do do. I said do-do. With what they do. Killsborough, on the other hand, they are in the clouds, if you will, with their resume. That's not bad. For example, I'm a big fan of Bolero Snort. Bolero Snort puts out a lot of beer. There is no go-to Bolero Snort beer. Okay? They have so many in their repertoire, so to speak. And it's constantly changing. That's not a bad thing. It can be a bad thing if you're in a demographic or in an area where there are many breweries like that where they're doing many different beers. <coughs> Excuse me. Correct? So it's like, 
Yeah, why would I? So why am I going to stick to just Bolero Snort when uh, Johnny Hammerschmidt down the road is making just as many uh, double dry hopped IPAs, uh, you know, uh, different saisons and this, that, and the third with lactose, New England style, juice bombs, blah, 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 blah. You know, why just stay with Bolero Snort? Now, what's lucky for us Staten Islanders that are listening to this show and people who have access to these beers, you have the best of both worlds. You really do have the best of both worlds. You have your stay-at-home, delicious beer from Flagship. Top-notch, top-quality, standard, fantastic beer. So much better than every macro you've ever had. So much better than a lot of craft that you've ever had. Because they keep it simple. Because beer sometimes needs to be simple. So, like, if I wanted to have a Saison with a wild, crazy wild yeast from God knows where, from somewhere underneath a farm in, in Norway that was brewed with truffles and hibiscus tea and a touch of lime. Yeah, sure, I could do that. But if I'm standing at the fridge and I want some beer to just hang out, relax after a long day at work, I'm getting a Kill Van Kulch. I'm getting a Fresh Kills IPA. If I'm feeling crazy... If I'm feeling saucy, which I do, I want to have some experimental stuff, something that's going to really tickle my fancy. And Killsboro does that too. So you are provided the best of both worlds right in your backyard. I've said it before, I've, and I'm going to say it again. We are truly, truly blessed here on Staten Island. And if you can find the niche of the two breweries near you, you're going to have that same experience. This doesn't have to be a Staten Island thing. Whether you're in New Jersey, whether you're as far as Kansas City, whether you're all the way in uh, in Seattle, where there's plentiful breweries, sometimes the simplicity is what is better. Sometimes the simplicity is what's good. And that's why I decided to go back to the old logo, right? I really liked Hans Lagerbarrel. I liked what he had to do. It was cute. It was fun. It was something new. It was something to propel me into this season three, season two, season three whatnot, without Rob and everything. Something to make it my own. But you know what? I didn't build this myself, and I wanted to go back to the basics there. I got the old logo. I put it back up there. I actually uh, recently uh, just contacted a graphic artist to sharpen it up a little bit because it was a little sloppy. And I don't even know where the logo came from. I know that when we first did this podcast, excuse me one second. Mm. The beer was just too inviting. I'm actually, I'm actually concerned. Sorry to segue here real quick. Hey, bouncing all over the place, but I'm pretty concerned that the 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 Bolero Snort is not going to be as good as the Kilvan Kulch. I'm pretty much going to say that now, but I will give it a fair review, and I'm not going to review it as a out and out Kulch because even though all over the internet they're saying it's a Kulch on the can, it says Kulch Kulch style ale. So I don't know. We're going to see what happens. Either way. Uh, where was I? Yeah, so I went to the old logo because I want to go back to the simplicity of things. I like the color scheme. I just like what it's about. And it's it's original. It's what it is. Uh, Hans Lagerbauer was original, but it also was a little too cartoony and stuff. I think the minimalist look of our logo is really great, and it's back, right? And, you know, it was actually the Friday that I had, yesterday. I'm doing this on a Saturday, full disclosure. I think I'm going to upload it on Monday either or, or Sunday night either way, but... You know, this might be the way it is from now on. When um, 
when I was bringing up the old logo and stuff, I was like, so now I'm driving into work, right? And I'm doing an early shift. Sometimes I'm doing five to one. Sometimes I'm doing six to two, you know, depending on when they need me or what they're, what they need at the time. Uh, and now it's been extended to the 15th. So we're still going to be in this for a little while. I said to myself, I was like, let me see, where am I at right now? Because the last time I brewed a beer, I went and got a brewer kit from uh, the Thirsty Quaker right over in Jersey City, I think it is. It's either Jersey City or Hoboken. I can't, I can't remember, but it's it's right kind of like a couple miles off the Holland Tunnel. And I was like, how long would it take me to get there from my job, right? You know, when I get out at, uh, at 2 o'clock, and it was like, uh, it was a nine-minute drive. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going there. I'm going to brew me a beer. So while working, you know, just because the work is very important, got to do my job. While I was working, I was looking up beer recipes and I was like, you know what? I got this, I got this logo back. Not that it ever went anywhere and you know, saying it's back, but it's the simplicity of the logo. It's a simple logo. I want to do a simple beer. Now it's not too simple, right? But I wanted to go to something, so I, I made the decision and... Oh, hold on a second. I got a receipt here. I did... I paid money for something? Oh, geez. I'm so sorry. When you open up your phone, there's just weird stuff here. So I, I decided to go with a pale ale, just a run-of-the-mill pale ale. I was trying to figure out if I wanted to do a lager, cause I, I, but I don't know how cold it is down here right now. But I know that the temperature was dipping down into the 50s and 40s, but I want to try to keep it under control. So I decided, let me, you know what, I missed the window for lagering beer. I'm not going to do it, especially with everything that was going on. So, But now we're kind of like, I'm kind of in like a um, a routine. So I went with a pale ale brewed with Magnum and Amarillo. Nothing too crazy, right? And it's going to come out. So so I went to the Thirsty Quaker and I got myself uh, some caramel uh, crystal malts at 60L. And what I was reading about the numbers, like the 60L, it goes anywhere from 20, uh, 20 to 120. And the, the higher the number, the darker and sweeter the malt is, which is going to make your beer darker and sweeter, um, depending on how much work the yeast does. You know, obviously, as we've learned here on the show, and as we know, being craft beer drinkers, we know that the, the yeast eats at the sugars, and that's what makes the alcohol. And also the combina- uh, carbonation when you do bottle conditioning. Um, so I, I got uh, the 60L, so it's kind of like right in the middle of the 20 to 120, sort of. Um, and I went with the Magnum and Amarillo hops. I also got a dry malt extract uh, of golden carapil. So what happens is you can do a all grain mash or an all grain boil, but that's you're going to use 10 pounds of milled grains and stuff like that. So I did a specialty grain of the one pound of the caramel 60L, and I did six pounds of the dry malt extract. That's going to give me enough sugar to make it happen. Now, there are people that say that it's a different flavor. You have more control over grains if you do the grains yourself. I don't have the time or the equipment to do that. So either way, I am still doing a 60-minute boil, just like an all-grain brewer would do. There are partial mashes and strictly extract. So I'm not using any syrups this time. I'm going with the dry malt, which is a little bit more expensive, but a lot less messier. And also more exact because you can't scrape off all of that um, syrup off of the uh, the bottles there. And I also went with a USO5 uh, ale yeast, which um, exu- uh, which will give me a clean malt, crisp taste. And it should make a 5%er. I went a little bit over one pound on the specialty grains, and um, that might make it a little bit 
a little bit more on the alcohol content, but we'll see. Uh, I have the device to do the specific gravities and stuff like that for my brew day, which will be next week. Let me just uh, double check what the, uh, the date is of next week. Um, it'll be the 25th, and uh, we got two weeks fermentation and then one week in the bottle. So we should be maybe right when we're getting out of this uh, whole shutdown thing. That when that might be when my beer is ready. And I was going to call it Governor Cuomo's Nipple Rings. But I thought that was a little too complex. Let's just make it simple. I did three beers in gold label. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to assign colored labels to the beers that I make. I'm going to just from now. Now, I like to reuse the bottles, obviously. So I will give them to some people who who I can get them to uh, safely and without COVID. Um, And then what I'm going to do is every beer that I brew, I'm going to save a bottle, print out a label, special cap. And I'm going to save it forever, you know, put it in a collection so I could say, oh, yeah, I remember I brewed that gold label with the pale uh, with the the pale ale uh, with the Amarillo and the Magnum. And I made a little bit of a label and I put it up on the Facebook today and I thought that was really nice. Um, So for thirty eight dollars, that's how much the now it would have been cheaper if I did all grain. That's another thing. All grain is a lot cheaper. But um, I like I I don't have the equipment for it. You need a much bigger than a five gallon um, uh, pot for the boiling. Uh, you need other equipment to sparge the um, the grains, which is basically pouring boiling water over the grains that have already steeped for 30 minutes to get all of the sugar out of it. So it's just it's an extra step that I'm going to forego. Uh, and this is this $38 is going to brew me 640 ounces of beer. That's eight eight six packs. So you do the math right there. It's fifty so fifty so odd beers. Uh, so you're you're paying like a dollar what thirty a dollar thirty cents a beer, which is pretty freaking cheap, and pretty awesome. And the Thirsty Quaker, uh, if you look them up right now, shout out to them because they also have a fucking huge uh, selection of beer. And and it was like I had to hold back everything in my being, not because I had just gotten the fresh kills and the and the and the Kolsch uh, from flagship, and I didn't want to kill myself because you know what we. we People are drinking a lot nowadays, you know, being locked up and everything like that. And I was just trying so hard not to get anything. And I was just trying to do like blinders when it came to what I was doing in that in that place. And, and it worked out. I didn't buy any beer or anything like that, even though I was just so viciously tempted to do so. I didn't do it. And um, uh, what you would call it? Hang on. I got to take another sip. I'm so sorry for the lag. I mean, for the delay here. Maybe I could pause for sips. Because it does take a lot of time out. But you know what? Sometimes you got to have a little sip of beer. Uh, where was I? Thirsty Quaker, yeah. Um, you know what? Let me actually look up where they're at because I think it's important that uh, that people know. And you could pop in the address real quick if you're local. If not, what I was going to do is I'm going to go to Bitters and Esters um, in, what is it, um, in Brooklyn. Because I thought it would be like on the way home-ish. Uh, but it kind of went out of the way, and they weren't open. Like, they wouldn't let people in. So when I called up Thirsty Quaker, they were just doing curbside at Bitters and Esters. When I called up Thirsty Quaker, like, you could come in as long as you have a mask on. I already have a mask. They're at 492 Monmouth Street in Jersey City, New Jersey. Yeah, it was Jersey City. Um, yeah, they have, uh, I mean, you go back into the into their area where they have their supplies. They have a list of all the malts. I mean, even if you're not into brewing, right? This is what's really cool about this place. Like, they, they let you go back there. You can do whatever you want. I mean, you know, within reason, right? When you go back there, you see just exactly what goes into brewing a beer. 
you have all these malts out there. I mean, let me see. I took a picture uh, when I was there, and I did like a uh, what you call it. I did like a uh, uh, Instagram post. I'm not big on Instagram, but uh, here I decided to do it. So this is they have the base uh, pale malts. Got Brewers Malt Two Row, Organic Brewers Malt, Distillers Malt, Golden Promise, Maris Munich uh, Light Pale Ale, Papino, Pilsen. Uh, wheat, they have the caramels all the way from 10 to 120. Caramel Munich Carapil Special B150, which is very dark because we now know what that means. Uh, they also have the malt, they have it under malty and nutty. So they have aromatic biscuit caramel. They have so many different malts in there. And uh, that does a lot for your beer. They have flaked barley, flaked corn, flaked oats, flaked rice, flaked rye. Because they have that under their adjunct, and they do, um, they do fifty pound bags. I mean, they have smoked cherry wood. They have everything you would want it to. Be. They had one thing that was there. It was called barrel aged in a bag, and like if you would add that to your to your fermentation process, it would give it a barrel aged flavor. Like there was just so much stuff, and like to just go back there and to now, this is what's very important about a place like this. If you do go there, you can get the smells. Like when you open up one of those grain bins because they're in a very tightly uh, like a, a turny bin with a lid when you open up it's just you get a whiff of those malts the the smells of the malts and you know you just when you're back there you feel inspired you feel like you're you're looking at the infancy of what we love when we listen to the show what we love about beer craft beer is What's there in front of us, like the ingredients, and then they had all of their hops uh, refrigerated in the uh, in the front. You can't get those smells because those are uh, obviously you can't get those smells because those are locked up in a in a Ziploc bag type thing, uh, packaged everything like that. But the malts you can't package them. You got to and you're scooping them up. And I was scooping out the malts that I needed. They have a uh, they have a scale back there for you to do everything. I'm, and I don't want to go on too too long about uh, Thirsty Quaker, but if you could go out there, Jersey City, New Jersey. It's a quick little drive. Check it out because it's just rare that you're able to be in the presence of the ingredients that make the beer that we love so dear. Okay. If you've been uh, following the show for a while, you know the sound of that music means it's time for the Hop of the Week. And I used to do a unique hop every week, but... Uh, that seemed foolish when a beer mentioned what hop they're using. And this show is meant to be educational as well as a celebration of craft beer. So, uh, this week, even though we did Simcoe last week, this week, Audible by Bolero Snort has listed in their description that they dry hop, excuse me, that they did a healthy dry hopping of Idaho 7 and Simcoe. Now, does that necessarily mean they didn't use those hops for the fer uh, fermentation process and for their boil? Who knows? But nonetheless, got my nonetheless in there. But that you got to fit one in at least. Um, at least once. We did Idaho Seven before on the show, uh, way back when. I think in episode number, blah, 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 blah. but we did Simcoe last week, and I'm going to read about it again, even though it seems redundant. It's good because you will know what. He, uh, you know, you'll know everything about Simcoe. Simcoe was released to the world in 2000 by Yakima Chief Ranches or Yakima Chief Ranches American Variety. Simcoe has become widely popular with craft brewers. This is according to Hoplist.com. 
With a high alpha percentage and a low colhomulone, which we're going to read about in a second, it makes a very nice, uh, very nice foundational bittering hop. It is also noted for its favorable aroma qualities. It has a pleasantly fruity yet earthy herbal and piney aroma. Flying Fish uses to create its 10-year barley wine uh, with Magnum Sierra Nevada, also used in their high-altitude beer bold Hoptimum. I remember I had a problem with this last week. It's referred to as the Cascade on steroids. Remember that? You remember that. You listened last week. So it's bright citrus flavors with earthy undertones, aromas of grapefruit, pine, and herbs. It's used for its bittering and aroma. And the alpha acid composition is anywhere from 12 to 14%. This also now brings us to the other hop that's used in this one. And uh, it was hard for me to find a description of this one, uh, the Idaho 7. I don't remember where I got it before, but... Idaho number seven hops. <clears throat> Excuse me. Idaho number seven hops are known for their piney, tropical, fruity, citrusy, earthy, and floral aromas and flavors. Woof. This is according to morebeer.com. Typically used as an aroma slash flavor hop with a high alpha acid level and average cohomulone content. Its strong hop character makes it ideal for IPAs, APAs, and any other hop forward beer. Suggested as a single hop or for blending as a late addition, hint, hint, because that's what Bolero Snort did with dry hopping, the high uh, oil content and soft pelletizing process makes this ideal for dry hopping and Whirlpool. And if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Whirlpool is when you put in hops when the flame goes out on your boil. So the alpha acid composition is anywhere from 10 to 14.9%. Pretty big. Um, so the similar hops here are also Amarillo, Chinook, and Columbus. Uh, and now let's go on to Cohomulone because, uh, like I said, we got to freshen up on our knowledge here sometimes because we forget. I know we covered it before, but Cohomulone, and this is according to beerandbrewing.com, is one of the five alpha acid analogs in hop resin, uh, the others being adhomulone, humulone, prehumulone, and posthumulone. Cohumulone. I just, woo. The, the cadence there really got to me. These analogs differ only slightly from each, either, each other in their molecular structures. Uh, and together they serve as precursors to iso alpha acids, predominant, the predominant contributors in bittering beer. This seems too technical. Uh, uh, they don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Because uh, brewers tend to associate low cohomulone with a finer quality of bitterness. Okay. Okay. So most hops analysis specifically show the cohomulone. So this is because brewers believe isocohomulone contributes to a rougher, harsher uh, quality of bitterness uh, other than the alpha. So when you're looking at a low cohomulone, you're looking at a, a, a softer bite when it comes to the bitterness. That's basically what we're reading. Because it's it's getting way too sciency, and um, I don't have the brain power for that right now. To be honest, I can't do I can't do science. I can't do science right now. Maybe ever. Okay. But that's it for the Jesus. That's it for the hops. We're gonna move on to the beer news. And um, it's hard right now because again, everything in the news. Whether it's a craft beer show or whether it's the fucking news that you turn on on your television, 
Everything is dominated by COVID-19 and the coronavirus. Other than this, hold on. Now, this is a game changer right here, people. Really and truly a game changer. Flagship, who I've been talking about all day, it seems. They have partnered up. Now, look, at first I was just like, I went, ugh, right? That was my initial reaction to this was, ugh. But when I kind of really did some deep thinking about it and what this move means for this brewery, I thought, huh, genius. It's fucking genius. So again, this is becoming more of like a Staten Island episode. If you are from Staten Island, you know Ralph's Isis, right? If you're not from uh, from Staten Island, you may have heard of Ralph's Isis. Right across from Danino's, the famous pizzeria, and scattered along the island is Ralph's Isis, which is a Italian ice shop. Ralph's Isis is to Staten Island what Taylor Ham is to New Jersey. With that being said, Flagship has announced that this summer they are going to be going in partnership with Ralph's Isis to make a hard seltzer. Now, look, before you go crazy, before you jump down their throats, this is the business move that will change the game for flagship. It is so fucking genius that they did this, okay? Everyone knows. We've talked about it on the show before. Everyone knows that the hard seltzer market is booming right now. You would be stupid. Not to get into that market and to try to gobble up some of that revenue. And not only has Flagship done that, they did that with the, the most recognizable brand on the island. There is not a meathead nor regular person nor anyone on this rock that we call Staten Island that doesn't know Ralph's Ice. Now, I couldn't get into the details of the flavors because it was a little bit of a, it was an Instagram post and I couldn't really see it very well. But I know for a fact that this is going to put Flagship in another tax bracket. They're going to get fucking rich off of this. All right? And God bless them. Round of of applause. I hope that now my concern naturally would be that I hope that the craft beer part of the whole thing doesn't, you know, suffer. I don't think it will. Because, again, Flagship is tried and true. Flagship is tried and true with what they do. They're fantastic. They're solid. This hard seltzer situation is going to put them on the map, okay? I mean, they're already on the map. They're already big on Staten Island, but this is going to put them over the top. Those people that go out and gobble up the White Claws and the Trulies, when they see fucking Ralph's Ice Cherry Ice with flagship, they're going to fucking, they're going to lose their shit. They're going to lose their minds. Shut up and take my money, these people will say. And that's great for flagship because on the line at ShopRite, on the line at MetFood, on the line at uh, Superfresh or wherever the fuck, on the line, you're going to see people buying flagship beer and you're going to see people buying flagship hard seltzer, especially if they price it correctly, right? If they're right in the, if they're right there, if they do like a dollar less or maybe 50 cents less, even that frugal some Staten Islanders are, you do it just a little bit less, but also they got to get it right. I will say this, they are going up against the big boys. There is no craft seltzer on the island that I've seen, right? So they're going up against, they're going directly up against uh, Samuel Adams and, and, and the big beer uh, conglomerates, big beverage conglomerates, 
and I wish them fucking luck. I wish them the best. I hope they fucking nail it. I hope they fucking crush it, and I think they will. I really think they will. This move, getting Ralph Seiss on board and being in a collaboration with them, I don't know what it's going to cost them. I don't know how that shit works. I'm not a businessman, but all I know is that this is fucking genius. Genius. I don't know who over there at Flagship thought about it, but pat yourself on the motherfucking back, and you're going to get a goddamn bonus at the end of the summer. You're going to get a goddamn bonus at the end of the summer. Revenue. I don't know. I just, I just, I just garbled some words there a little bit. I don't know how that happened, but it did. But this is huge. This is huge. And I had to lead the beer news with this because it's going to. And you know what? A richer flagship might mean even more beer, even better beer. I mean, it can't get much better than this. I'm still drinking this Kolsch. Here I go. I'm talking like they fucking sponsored the show. They didn't, but they did let us do an interview there, and it was fantastic. And they gave us a fuck ton of beer, too. I think we talked about it in the uh, in the after show, but they were like, come here to the back fridge. And they were like, if the label's wrong, we got to just we got to just put it back here and people just take what they want. Rob and I walked out with like 24 packs of beer and some that was a beer gift. There was stuff unlabeled. We just grabbed what we could. It was, it was the lowest I've ever been in my life. I felt like a, a crackhead in that moment. I actually felt like a crackhead because I was sitting there salivating over all this free beer that I was able to get. And you know what? Some people, you know, they can't say that they experienced that, but I can. So flagship, oh, my hat's off to you. You guys are going to crush it. And, oh, man. They did the Staten Island Yankees thing. They're just, they're, they're really smart with what they do. They're really smart. They're building an, uh, uh, an I don't want to say an empire, but they're building a company that is going to be generational. I mean, I hope they could leave it to someone that could carry this on because this is because you want to see a brewery, you want to see your craft brewery, your local craft be there when you die. I would love to be on my deathbed tell the story of flagship. Moving on here and we're going to get a little bad news because this like I said, there's a lot of bad news out there. There's some good news, some bad news, but here's the bad news, some of the bad news. Um, this is according to Reuters. Beer may lose its fizz as CO2 supplies go flat during the pandemic. This is coming out of uh, New York and Los Angeles, the Reuters. Dwindling supplies of carbon dioxide from ethanol plants is sparking concerns about shortages of beer, soda, and seltzer water, essentials for many quarantined Americans. No shit. Yes, beer is essential. Brewers and soft drink makers use carbon dioxide or CO2 for carbonation, which gives beers and soda fizz. Ethanol producers are a key provider of CO2 to the food industry as they capture that gas as a byproduct of ethanol production and then sell it in large quantities. But ethanol, which is blended into the nation's gasoline supply, has seen production drop sharply due to the drop in gasoline demand. As a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, gasoline demand is down by more than 30% in the United States. And I've said this before. I mean, we've been saying it for weeks now. As we know, things are grinding to a little bit of a halt. Quote, it does not, uh, it does have us up in a, excuse me, I'm so sorry. Let me come back down to earth here. Orion, Orion Melahan, uh, CEO of Santa Cruz, California-based Life Aid, a specialty beverage company, said two of his um, production partners are looking forward to alternative CO2 sources because, quote, it does have us up at night figuring out what our options are here, uh, Melahan said. 
It highlights the laws of unintended consequences. Um, this is pretty big. Uh, now, for the homebrewers out there, you know, you just add some sugar to what's already the yeast that's in your beers. That's why for a lot of homebrewers, there's yeast, at the, there's sediment at the bottom because that's the yeast when it's done gobbling up the priming sugar that you put in for bottling day. So, you know, just to keep things beer oriented here for your for craft beer uh craft beer makers that are home brewers on your bottling day you add a priming sugar solution to the beer that is not carbonated and when you bottle it the yeast that's already in the beer will eat those sugars and when you cap the beer the carbonation builds up inside and is sealed and therefore you have carbonation when you crack open your home-brewed beer. But there is a yeast sediment at the bottom, and I have, I am interested in looking into how to harvest that so I can keep my own yeast. It can be done. Believe it or not, it can be done. Now, moving along here, uh, this is from coloradosun.com. Excuse me. Colorado's craft beer industry is sobered as brewers predict mass closures. If social distancing continues... Breweries faced a tough road in 2020 before the coronavirus. Uh, now one forecast suggests 60% of breweries won't make it to June. Let me just take a pause here to have a sip of this delicious culch. I ended up killing it. That's by John Frank. Before I even get into this article, because I haven't read any of these articles yet. Oh, it's a terrible burp. The... Um, I think that uh, for craft breweries in Colorado, it's especially tough <clears throat> because they have to compete with the weed market. Now, that being said, if marijuana was made legal in New York, this would be a big impact on the market share for craft beer, uh, craft breweries. Now, why would you say that? Because, again, when people have a limited amount of money and they can get ripped apart by just smoking a little bit of weed— uh, as opposed to drinking a whole lot of beer, you know, do the math there. Uh, the existential crisis in the Colorado beer world is palpable right now as the as an industry built on social gathering comes to realize that social distance is the new normal. As much as 15% of craft breweries expect to close by the end of the month if social distancing remains in place, according to a national survey uh, from a Boulder-based, oh, from the Boulder-based uh, Brewers Association more than 60%, I think it was 67%, because we read about that last week. If applied to Colorado, which now counts about 420 breweries, oh, how fucking, oh, look at that, 420. Do you believe in coincidences? Am I a conspiracy theorist? <clears throat> the projections suggest that 240, uh, 250 would close by the summer. That's rough. Uh, and that uh, would be a huge dent in the industry, uh, that contributes at one time more than $3 billion a year to the state's economy. Again, that's the bad news that I said this last week. We don't know what the end is going to be like. Will some of these breweries that we love, the tried and true, I keep repeating myself, but those breweries that we love, are they going to be there when this thing opens again? Do you want free beer? Because according to PressHerald.com, you donate essential goods to Allagash. They've partnered with Portland Public Schools for a week-long drive to gather essential goods, and they will give you free beer. Allagash Brewing Company of Portland has partnered with Portland. I thought Allagash was from, from Louisiana. Or is that a beta? Sorry, my bad. 
They partnered with uh, Portland Public Schools on a week-long essential goods uh, drive starting Monday in which part- uh, participants can donate items such as soap, deodorant, shampoo, wipes to families in need in exchange for free beer. You hear that, people out there in the Seattle area? Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry, the Portland area. Sorry, I'm trying to scroll here. The most needed items during the coronavirus pandemic include bar soap, unscented deodorant, cleaning wipes, toothpaste, shampoo, and conditioner, and feminine hygiene products. You know, I I get the whole unscented deodorant thing, but, I mean, if you're desperate, yeah, put on the Old Spice guy, okay, if you're desperate. And they are proud to be part of the uh, Portland community, and they will will give you free beer if you donate this stuff, which I think is fantastic. Let me just uh, bounce to a... um, a bit of a good news here. I don't know if it's good news, but it's 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 interesting. Dr. Fauci, beloved Dr. Fauci, because in this time of crazy stuff, I think that Dr. Fauci has been the, the level-headed guy that belongs on a dollar bill at the end of this. And this happens to be from a, oh, no, come on. Are you going to work? Oh, I don't know how to. The, the web page froze. No, I wanted to read about it, but Dr. Fauci is going to get a beer named after him from a Georgia brewery, and I can't get the article up. Darn it. Okay, I got it. Sorry. Oh, come on, you son of a bitch. Why can't you just fucking work? Oh, my God. This is so obnoxious. It's because it's TMZ. Anyway, it's a, it's an Akai Pale Ale called Fauci Spring. I can't read the fucking article. I can't read the article because you have so many fucking ads about Kardashians' asses and Tommy boy Brian Dennehy being dead at 81. I can't read it. I can't read it. Wild beer heaven. Wild heaven beer. Whatever the fuck. Happiest hour. They're doing a beer called Fauci Spring and Don't Stand Close to Me. I can't even fucking read the article. So I'm going to exit out of it. God damn it. Fuck. This was supposed to be the feel-good article because everything else is shit. Uh, now I, I don't even know where to go from here. I am so fucking pissed off. Pandemic leads to tons of wasted beer. That's the this was supposed that was supposed to be the segue to this misery and the next misery. And now imagine if the beer doesn't taste good for the review. Another one here from Portland. This is WTHR.com. Gallons and gallons of beer are ending up at a water treatment facility in Oregon. Because of the coronavirus, all the beer that would have likely been sold in bars in Portland is now just sitting in tanks. But the beer doesn't last forever, so once it's past its expiration date, the beer ends up dumped at a treatment facility. Oh, and it's not just kegs of beer. It's truckloads of it. The vice president of the treatment plant, Adam Borgens, said that they've treated some 15,000 to 20,000 gallons of beer. Oh. Borgens says that he wishes he could do something else with all the beer, like take it to a park and let everyone have a little fun. But unfortunately, it came here for treatment, so we have to make sure everything is handled safely. Well, uh, if I'm Mr. Borgens, I'm going to take a little for myself. And he knows all the beer dumping is proof of how hard the virus has been to the industry. Quote, we knew it was something that we're going to see a trend on. So it was sad to see because we know the financial hardships that the industry is facing. And this is the tough part. 
I get. What do you mean for treatment? What does that mean? Is it do they turn the beer into just water? Because that's interesting. Ah, devastating. Last article here is we have the WHO urges restrictions on alcohol sales amid the pandemic, warning that drinking can make coronavirus worse. Now, you fucking listen to me right here, you motherfuckers. Fuck you. This is America, the World Health Organization. You're over there in Sweden or some shit. Okay, let me tell you something right now. Yeah, there was a group of people in this country long ago that tried to stop alcohol. And for years, there was no alcohol. And guess what? The United States said, fuck you. This country is built on booze. You will not take our alcohol. Don't tread on my beer. Fuck you, World Health Organization. They said that drinking weakens your immune system and leads to a host of other problems. Why don't you go fuck yourselves? How about that? Go fuck yourselves. Because I'm not going to stop drinking crap beer. My dr- my drinking intake has gone up tenfold. And it will continue to skyrocket. Because guess what? Freedom isn't free. That's all I got. Prohibition will not come here again. Hell will freeze over before it happens again. Fuck you, World Health Organization. I will continue to drink. So as you all know, I've been watching this show, um, Brews Brothers, right? I talked about it last week. It's the craft beer show. So I got to episode five and uh, fair use, I guess. So I'm going to play some of the, just some audio clips of the show. Um, to let you know that this, this episode hit me real hard because I was thinking about how for me, especially that I do a beer review show when I do like talking about the nose of the beer, um, they, they're, so basically, um, the brother invites some, uh, Belgian monks over that he studied brewing beer with, but this is why you would love the show because it's just, it's so fucking good when it comes to this bullshit, uh, so he spent some time brewing beer with these monks in Belgium, and they came over to his brewery to bless the brewery and to also hang out and do beer and stuff like that. But nonetheless, one of the uh, monks had to do uh, the beer nose competition for the smells. And part of this like makes me feel like, am I this obnoxious? This is going to be a disaster. When it comes to... Effervescent. The smell. Tart but not sour. A stone fruit, diacetyl, horse blanket, and a touch of canned ham. So it's a competition between breweries. Come on. Now here's the monk. Raisins. Currants. Nectarines. It plays a little trick on my tongue. Tries to fool me. Just like the serpent tried to fool Jesus in the desert. No. It begins buttery, but quickly moves into a bitter profile with a a modest bite, almost acidic. Just like Satan himself. And then he wins. He wins the round. So here's... 
here I have a, an, another clip to uh, to let you guys hear. It, it makes me feel uh, self-conscious about when I do my beer reviews. Do I sound like this? Is this who I, is this who I sound like? Dried hazelnuts, cranberries, and the tears of an orphan. Yeah! Yes, Mm. Fleshy with sour cherry and waves of vanilla. Acidity is lousy, but agreeable. This is the Belgian Goose. Definitely aged with a, a rustic yet autumnal complexity that is elegant yet simple. Infinitely, perfectly balanced. It shouldn't work, but for God, anything is possible. Luke 137. This is a sour, but it's not a goose. This is a Flanders Red Ale. So I mean, this is what makes this show really good, is the the it's so dumb, it's really just so dumb, and that was like the 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 end. well it wasn't even the end of that episode it goes on a little bit longer but um he wins but uh, it's it's a fun show you should uh you should check it out if you're into you're into beer I know you're into beer so you would like it I know that you would like it. You got to check it out. Really and truly. It's really good. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for us to review that delicious beer we're having today. Bolero Snorts Audible. And according to Untapped, because it's not on their website right now, it's a 4.5% ABV Kulsh. Omaha, Omaha, Idaho. I know the Omaha thing because that's what Eli Manning used to say every time. He would stab the football. We change it up at the last second with this crisp tailgating beer. This plate color came to win at a 4.5% with a healthy dry hopping of Idaho 7 and Simcoe fermented clean and with some zip from our go-to Kolsch yeast. Line up and get set for this football season session beer. Uh, So it's a Bolero Snort. Audible, they always do something with a bull in terms of what they're talking about. Simcoe plus um, Idaho 7 dry hopped Kolsch Ale. It's got some X's and O's on a football field in the end zones right there. I think they're Giants fans because it's a blue end zone. Cracking this bad boy open here and let's pour her out rather gently. Into the wonderful vessel provided as a gift from the great Pete Sullivan. Pouring this one out. It's a tall boy, a tall boy can, so I don't want to go too crazy. And so close, so close to tipping, but we got it. So it pours, uh, pours out there about two fingers ahead, and uh, it's a little cloudy, a little cloudy. So I was uh, that. 
right off the bat is not indicative of a classic Kolsch. Classic Kolsch's are extremely clear, no cloudiness, nothing opaque or anything like that. Uh, but it is a, it's a cloudy yellow gold. Uh, traditional Kolsch's are clear, so this doesn't bold particularly well for what's going on here with the Audible. Um, can't really see too much carbonation going on. I mean, it's it's just a, it's not dead, but it's not, it's your run-of-the-mill beer. Let's give it a, t let's give it a smell here. Okay. Very hoppy. Right off the bat, I'm going to tell you right now. And that, again, is not indicative of a Kolsch beer. I mean, they're not crazy hoppy when you give them the smell, but there's a deep melon aroma here. There's a sweet malty smell as well, uh, reminiscent of like a freshly cut grass and the tears of orphans. <laughs> very hoppy and bright aroma, very clean aroma though too. Um, the head doesn't dissipate too quickly. Uh, it's been sitting there for a while. That is indicative of a Kolsch. Um, but the aroma here is just very, very hop forward, uh, which is to be expected because it's an American dry hopped Kolsch beer let's give it a taste huh shall we cheers i try to cheers you guys oh boy so is it a kolsch no it's not all right right off the bat not a kolsch so it's extremely bright and crispy in the flavor with a such a kick of hops but not overbearing because the Hop characteristics we're getting here is from the from the dry hopping process. So it smells like it's going to be a kick in the pants of hops, but then when you taste it, you're not getting that because it's it doesn't translate because it was dry hopped, meaning that the alpha acid composition wasn't really absorbed uh, into the beer as much as it would have been in a boil. You understand? So the aroma is there, but the flavor uh, is not. Um. It's got some really great burps. This is the second week in a row that we had really, really good burps. It finishes really, really clean, but it is bitter and dry at the finish, which, again, is not indicative of a classic Kolsch-style beer. Kolsch-styles are very just uh, a very thirst-quenching type beers. Uh, again, it's hop-forward, but not overwhelming. It has that hoppy spice to it, very herbal and spicy, lemony, citrusy flavor, some fruitiness, very clean and very grassy, though. Ooh. Like, if I was tailgating and I was slamming these down, I mean, fucking slamming these down at 4.5, with these burps, like, give me a hot dog and I could actually have a meal on the burps alone. It sounds crazy, but it's true. That's what we're dealing with here. Um... Pretty solid, pretty solid beer. Great lacing too, which is again something that happens with cultures. There's there's a lacing there. It happened with the Kilvan culture at least. <sighs> mm. So in terms of the style here, it's obviously an American take on a culture. Um, for the hop heads out there, this would be considered a session IPA or a session pale ale. You know, for them. Ooh, there's a bit of an earthy stone fruit finish there on this last sip that I had. 
Uh, so yeah, four point five percent. You're just having a session IPA. That's what you're having here. Um, uh, wasn't going to approach this as a traditional Kolsch, as I said before, but this is a, a clean and bright session IPA pale ale. That, that's how you can put it down there. Um, it doesn't really touch the Kolsch. I mean, I was gonna. I didn't want to say this, but I, I'm taste it at four point five. I'm getting a little alcohol burn there, and I think that that is, that's not so good. You know what I mean? And again, I, I, I'm not being biased. Bolero Snort's one of my favorite breweries. Mm. Very grassy, very clean, very bright. You could slam these down in the tailgate for sure. But I'm going to give it a 6.7. Now, look. Let me be clear. A 6.7 only because it's just, it's not Kolsch. It doesn't taste like a Kolsch. And I take a lot of pride in Kolsch's because that's my one of my favorite kinds of beers. But if you told me this was a session IPA, this would be way up there in terms of the numbers. But it is, uh, like they said, a crisp tailgating beer. I could slam these down. I just wouldn't say it's a culture. You could have said, check out our Session IPA or Session Pale Ale at a 4.5 that we finished with a Kolsch yeast. Great. But if you just wanted to put under your belt that you brewed a Kolsch, you kind of didn't. Okay. 6.7. It's a solid beer drinker score. Okay. Because Bolero Snorts are not going to put out shit. They're not. They're, they're pretty darn good with what they do. So... It's good. At 6.7, it's pretty high. So God bless you for what you've done. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the show. I want to thank you all for listening. I appreciate you week in and week out. I love you guys. I'm glad that you stopped by to have a beer with me. Next week, we're going to be doing it yet again. And I appreciate you. Really, I love you guys so much. Every single one of you that listen. Everyone that likes on Facebook. Everyone that continues to give me these listens every week in the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds love you all guys prost cheers take care but catch y'all next week stay safe out there and enjoy your local craft beer baby take care everybody